is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Okay, good morning, everyone. I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to pretend to be somebody in the Bible, and you've got to guess who I am, and you've got to see if you can find my story in the Bible. So I hope you brought your Bibles with you. Now, I know we've got some children with us this morning, and don't worry, I've got a crack the code sheet down here. So you can come and see if you can crack the code and see if it will give you the Bible passage that I'm going to be sharing my story from today. The rest of you, you might have to rely on either your own biblical knowledge or you could Google as I tell the story and see if there's any clues that I give you that can help you potentially find out who I am. Are you ready? Okay. Come and grab a sheet, children. Come and grab a sheet. Come and crack the code. Pass them out. (laughs) Long gone are the days of the revival of the reign of King Josiah. People have turned their backs on God. Wickedness, idolatry, and violence prevail. We saw what happened in the north to those that were unfaithful there. God sent the judgment of the Assyrian army coming to attack. But what was it that God said to me? Now that He's going to judge the south, He's not sending the Assyrian army, but the Babylonians. The Babylonians. This is what God told me about the Babylonians. They're ruthless. They're a law unto themselves. They're feared and dreaded by everyone. Their horses are faster than leopards. Their soldiers are fiercer than the wolves at night. They're going to swoop down like an eagle, devouring its prey. We don't stand a chance. When the Babylonians come, they're going to destroy our homes, burn the crops in our fields and take all that we have. How can this be your plan, God? Aren't the Babylonians more wicked than we are? Are you going to stay silent while they swallow us up? I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on the Lord and I'm going to see what He says to me.
Lord, you have done amazing things for your people in the past. Will you repeat it today, in my day? There's a nation coming to invade us. My heart is pounding, Lord. My body trembles and shakes in fear. The day of trouble is coming. But this I know. When the figs don't bud and there's no grapes on the vine. When the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. God, you are my strength. I've watched as the deers leap up the mountainside. You can make my feet just like theirs and enable me to go on the heights and worship you. Amen. Right. Thanks. So, the big question, can anybody guess who I was? Has anybody got it? Shall we, shall we say it after three, all together? Have you all got it? Maybe? Ready? One, two, three. Habakkuk. Fantastic. Well done. And has anybody got the passage? Did anybody crack the code and can tell everybody where to find it in the Bible, just in case some people have missed it out? Great. Over here, have you got it? Do you want to tell us the reference? Three. Chapter three, yeah. Verse seven, what, verse 17? Yeah. 19 to 18. Uh, to 19. To 19. That's it. Chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. Okay. So I'm hoping you've all got it out in your Bibles now. Right. Okay. So Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets in the Bible. It's only three chapters long, okay? And in chapter one, we saw the first part of my story where Habakkuk is full of worry about the invasion of the Babylonians. And then the second part of my story is Habakkuk chapter three, where we see Habakkuk worship. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me think what on earth happened in chapter two? Yeah. Are you intrigued? Shall I tell you? Yes. Good. How does Habakkuk move from a place of worry to a place of worship? Well, I think I wanted to do a hop, skip and a jump through chapter two, but because of time, I'm just doing a hop. All right. So if you want to know what skip and jump is, you'll have to find me after the meeting. But this verse, I think, really helps us to understand how Habakkuk changed. And it's chapter 2, verse 4, which I think Dan's going to put up for us now. See, the enemy, that's Babylon, is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But, don't you love a but in the Bible? But... 
The righteous person will live by his faithfulness. And in other translations, it says, by his faith. Now, this is really a pivotal moment for Habakkuk. But actually, it's a pivotal moment throughout Scripture. This Bible verse is quoted three times in the New Testament. It's very weighty theologically. And I was thinking, this deserves a deep dive, and I haven't got a time to do a deep dive into this verse. How on earth am I going to try and put across the meaning of this verse for Habakkuk? I love to step inside the shoes of a character in the Bible and imagine what it was like for them hearing or seeing what God was saying to them. And that's exactly what Habakkuk was doing this moment. And do you know what? God spoke to me last night as I was sleeping, because I was really wrestling with what to say to this. And then it came to me. This was the moment Habakkuk joined Frog Club. Yeah, it is. It's the moment he joined Frog Club, because Frog stands for fully reliant on God. Yes. And this is what we see for Habakkuk and for us today, that he's going to trust in God no matter what. This is his all-in moment that Paul was just bringing to us. This was the moment where he was going to say, I am going to trust in you, God, no matter what. It was about wholehearted obedience. If you look at the Hebrew, which I have done, of this word, that is in essence what it's talking about, wholehearted obedience to God. Right, that's my hop done. So, the whole summer, it's all about which Bible passage means something to you. And I just want to share with you for a couple of minutes why this Bible passage is significant to me. You see, I've been a Christian since I was seven. I've grown up knowing and loving Jesus most of my life. But there have been times in my life when I found myself in chapter one where I've been wrestling and asking God those hard, honest questions. Why? Why, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? And sometimes that's been an overflow of my own heart. And sometimes that's been an overflow because of people I love and what I know that they're facing and the situations that they're going through. It might not be the invasion of the Babylonians coming, but it can be a whole manner of things that cause us to ask God, why? But let me tell you, my heart's desire is to be in chapter three. That is what I want. That is the longing of my heart, is to be able to say to God, no matter what, I will trust in you. So let's just get chapter three up because this is the passage. I was only, I know I've kind of gone through the whole book. <laughs> I'm only meant to take one passage to the desert island with me. So this is it. So let's just have a quick look. What I want you to remember is that at this moment in time, Habakkuk's situation has not changed. Verse 16 is when he's saying that his heart is pounding and his whole body is trembling. That's verse 16. But there are times that I know in my life when my head has to tell my heart that faith is a decision, not an emotion. And that's what we see here for Habakkuk. Even though 
the day of trouble is coming. He says, though the fig trees does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crops fails and the fields produce no food. Now just pause for a moment. The entirety of the economy of Judah at that time where Habakkuk lists was, an, was based on their agriculture. So he was literally talking here about all of that going, being destroyed, gone. Some of these things that he's talking about that grow take time to grow. Years, up to five years, some of these crops take to grow. Destroyed in a day. And there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls. Again, that's another symbol of wealth. Basically, in our terms, it would be if we went bankrupt. All right? What does he choose to do? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. There's his decision. That's what he chooses to do. That word rejoice literally means leap for joy. Okay? Even when we don't feel it. That was his decision. And then he said, The sovereign Lord is my strength. Lovely acknowledgement there of the sovereignty of God. God's got a plan. God is in control always. He makes my feet like that of a deer. So I've got a little video clip for you now. Let's have a little look at what these deer can do. Can you see them? Deers don't climb mountains, they leap. And what I love about this is that the Babylonians, they were big, powerful, and strong. The deer that Habakkuk refers to is the female deer. He's just underlining the fact it's got nothing to do with your own physical strength. It is purely the design of the feet of the deer, the God-given design that enables them to go on into the heights of that mountainside. And this is actually a quote of a psalm from David. Isn't that wonderful that at a time when the day of trouble is coming, he prays, he reminds himself of things that God has done in the past, and he relies on scripture. Just some really useful tips there for us. Now, one thing that I have done in the past, which I found really helpful, is write my own version of Habakkuk 3. Even when. And I just think if we went around the room this morning, and you just thought for a few seconds now, what would your even then be? Even when even when I'm grieving, even when I'm in pain, even when I don't have enough money at the end of the month, even when I don't get the results that I want, even when I'm struggling to get up in the morning, even when the answer is no, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. He will. Something definite about that. He will make my feet like that of a deer and enable me to go on the heights. 
And there was one last thing that I noticed when I was reading and preparing for this morning, which I'd never seen before, and I love this passage. I love it. Right at the very end of this passage, it says, written for the choir master, to be sung with strings. And it dawned on me. Habakkuk wrote this prayer intending for it to be sung at the temple amongst the others in Judah who were still remaining faithful to God. There's something about declaring this corporately, together. Because I know when I'm in chapter one, I need my church family to help me say the words of chapter three. And I'm sure that some of you can echo that as well. And so I just wanted to finish now by us all joining together in agreement that Jubilee, my church family, that no matter what situation we may face, we will be the people who can echo the same prayer that Habakkuk prayed. So would you stand with me this morning? Can we just get it to the beginning? Here we go. Together. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Hello everyone. Um, from that really smooth transition um, into what can only be described as a very sick teacher. Um, thank you very much. It's, it's lovely to see so many visitors with us this morning. Uh, normally I have a really high-pitched, squealy voice, but because I'm so ill, this is what I sound like now. Um, thank you, Ray. You've always been my favorite. Um, right. <sighs> okay. I mean, can you, uh, PA team, if you can cut this bit out, um, that would be re really good. Later, later. Um, if, I, if I turn my back on you and I get a horrible tissue out of my pocket, the sound is going to cut out, the video will stop, um, because there are people online, and to hear that in HD is going to be really dreadful. Um, it's, it's been amazing to worship with you all. Um, and there was that line, wasn't there, so, so read, I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Um, and it's amazing to sing with you all. Um, with, with that in mind, it's a great thing to proclaim. Uh, what I want to do this morning is just for 10 minutes, I just want to kind of explore that a bit in relation to my favorite passage. And if we all go out of here more passionate and uh, joyful because of our salvation, that would be incredible, okay? Okay. Um, 
So for some reason, uh, it was described to me that I've got to imagine myself being shipwrecked and I've got to tear out a page that's my favorite. Um, like, my Bible is, uh, I'd pocket it if I'm honest, um, but my favorite, okay, my favorite is definitely Romans 8. All of it, okay? All of it. But because the kids are in this morning, we're just going to focus on four of the verses. Um, and I've got these slips at the front here. I was told by my wife, who's a, a, an ex-primary school teacher, that I have to, I have to do a resource. Okay? So if you, are, if you are a child or if you spot a teenager, could you give them one of these, please? Could you do that now? So could you come and grab one of these? Thank you, Theo. You're always the most enthusiastic, and you get up here nice and quickly. Come on, Gabe, come and grab one. And hand one to a teenager on your way through as well, because they like to think sometimes too. <laughs> While those are making their ways to various people throughout the church, could you turn in your Bible to Romans 8, please? And we're going to read that small section of it. Um, yes, there are pens, lots of... Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll explain. Yeah, we'll explain that when it comes. Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. I will explain that. Um, so I'm going to pray because I need it. We all need it. Let's pray together. Dear Lord God, it is joyful to be together. Um, thank you for your salvation. And Lord, as I explain um, one of my favorite passages, Lord, be with us all that we would get this fresh realization of just how incredible you are and how amazing the gift of salvation is. Um, thank you, Lord God. Right, let's read then together. It'll be up on the screen as well. Um, we're just going to go for the first four verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by um, the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. That's amazing already, isn't it? Um, look, kids, you've got that little slip of paper on you there. Um, there are some blanks to fill out on the top, but what I really want you to do is concentrate on some of the mad long words that I'll be using. And when you spot one of them, just tick it, put a bingo dab on it, whatever you want to do, okay? But see if you can spot all of those words um, and do shout out when you've completed it, won't you? Please. So there's a huge spoiler in the opening of this chapter. Right at the beginning, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that is why it is my favorite. If the band could come up, thank you for being with me this week. Um, I hope you have a wonderful week together. And, uh, and I could leave it there, couldn't I? I could leave it there. It is incredible. It's like... Um, it's, it's just like the opening of an essay, isn't it? Like, or the title of your thesis. Or do you remember when you're at secondary school and you want to do that crazy experiment in science where things just explode? 
Yeah? You want to do that, but you have to write a hypothesis. Okay? And you have to say what's going to happen. Paul is saying here what's happened. Okay? And the whole of Romans is him explaining why we need Jesus. You get to Romans 8 and he says what's actually happened. And then in the rest of Romans it goes on and says what that should mean for you in your life. Okay? So Romans 8, for me, is pivotal, and there's so much packed into it. I'll come back to verses 1 and 2, uh, but I want to focus on verse 3. So we're just going to have that one up on the screen, and that is what we're going to look at. So there's three things in this one that I love. Why is the law powerless? It says that the law is powerless. Why? Who did it? Who did it? And what did he actually do? Okay. So why is the law powerless then? Um, you can see there um, that it says it was weakened by the flesh. Now, put your hands up if you were born after 2014. Okay? Anyone here born after 2014? Uh, so, um, I want you to put your hand up, Solly, and you'll see why in a minute. Okay? Um, you won't remember this, but across the road, across the road, there was a huge fire, okay? Dan, so can have this up on the screen, please? This was the assembly rooms. It used to be a beautiful building, okay? It was absolutely gorgeous, lovely facade, brutalist, modernist, and then it caught on fire, okay? So that's, this is the quad on the left, and it caught on fire, and it was a big fire. And it spread throughout everywhere, and they had to demolish that top part of it. Okay? So I think that was just before your birthday, Solly. Um, and it burnt, and they put it out eventually, as you know, because you've probably parked in it. But the council came out, and they condemned it. They went, that building there, it's condemned. But they used some laws to kind of put that together. They kind of tested stuff, and they had a look. And that building was condemned. But all that was really good for was saying that that building has not really passed the test. Okay? That building is no longer good enough. Has it sorted it? No. And it's a big sore point. If you're visiting us this morning um, in Derby, um, like, we, we haven't had anything in there since 2014, but apparently they'll sort it soon. Um, <laughs> but in this context, in this context, the law in Romans 8, the law, all it is able to do is it is able to label you as not good enough. And in the Old Testament, they had all these laws, and, you, you know, if you, didn't, if you didn't pass that test, okay, you were labeled as not good enough. Now, they had loads of punishments, and they tried to make themselves good enough in front of God. But really, the flesh meant, that's us. We just kept on doing wrong and kept on labeled not good enough. The law can only label you as not good enough. And you know what? We all fall short. In Romans 3, it says, all have sinned and fall short of God, the glory of God. So the law is powerless, okay? The law is powerless. But who did it? The Sunday school answer, please, everyone, from Frog Club. Who did it? You don't know what it is yet, but guess who did it? 
God. So it's in there, look. See that comma there? In other parts of the Bible, you might have a but. Okay? God did. Okay? The law could not do it, but God did. Jesus was not the son that was sent, okay? Like some of us have this picture of Jesus as standing in between us and God going, no, please God, don't, don't punish them. Uh, don't worry, I'll protect you guys, it's God. Um, you know, don't, don't worry, okay? And keeping us from God and, and making sure that his, kind of his judgment wouldn't come on us, that is not the truth, okay? God did it. God sent his son, his perfect son, to die. And how do we know who's perfect? Well, in this it says, um, likeness of sinful flesh. This is what sinful flesh looks like. Likeness, okay? Jesus was like us. He was perfect, though. Absolutely perfect. Jesus was even more than that, though. My other favorite passage And remember, I haven't ripped my Bible up, so I've got my other favorite passage. It's Colossians 1, and in the NIV, it's titled as the supremacy of Christ. It says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Jesus was God, is God. He was there at the beginning. And then as he was walking around on earth, he was God. That's amazing. So what did he do? What did he do? Remember, this verse starts off by saying the law was powerless, but God did it. He condemned sin in the flesh. So Jesus is the flesh. Remember, he's in the likeness of flesh. He condemned sin in the flesh. Now, this isn't the weak condemning that Derby Council did. Okay, This isn't the weak condemning of you can't meet in there, it smells of smoke, okay? Or it's not, it's not that kind of condemning that a political leader would do of someone or a country that is doing something awful. I condemn their actions, okay? This condemning that's in that verse, condemn sin in the flesh, is blotting out. It's pure destruction of sin, okay? Pure destruction of sin. But Jesus was perfect, He was only like us, like sinful nature. Whose sin was punished in him, do you think? It's amazing to hear so many people say, mine. Okay. Our sin, our sin was punished in him there. Pure destruction of our sin. Of anyone. Look, anyone in verse, could you put verse 4 up please now? Dan, thank you. Anyone that lives according to the Spirit. Everyone that lives according to the Spirit. I'm going to talk a bit about that in a minute. But the righteous requirement of the law is met in us. You know that law, that thing that was only good enough to label us as not good. Falling short. That's now met in us because of Jesus. Verse 2 should have a huge impact for us now. Massive impact. Um, 
How can we be joyful in our salvation, as Sarah brought? Because we have been set free from the, from the law of sin and death. There should be a feeling of freedom here this morning for a lot of you, because you don't have to worry about the law anymore. You will carry on falling short. You will carry on sinning. But because of Jesus, okay, we do not have to be bound by that. I want to go back to my favorite verse, first one, okay? First one. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I've got to ask you all now, are you in Christ Jesus? Are you one of the people, even if you are um, a terrible, meek Englishman like me, who maybe went in their mind, yes, mine, as I said, whose sin held him there, okay? Are you in Christ Jesus? The amazing thing is that it's not by living, it's not by um, living according to the law, the rules, um, maybe acts of worship, or even love Derby. Have you done it already? Now, that was terrible planning for me that it would happen <laughs> during this bit. But the fact that you were listening in this bit is really encouraging for me. Thank you so much. Living according to this law doing the Love Derby, picking up some rubbish, acts of worship, all fall short. It is simple faith. It's simple faith. All you have to do is have faith in the things that have been said in Romans 8 here, that simple trust in Jesus, that God did it, sent his son, and that he died for your sin will mean that you will be... Oh, all that sin will just be wiped out, blotted out. I want to I want to end by praying this morning. And there's going to be there's going to be two two sets of people in here. There's going to be the sets of people who who walk out of this building just joyful in their faith, joyful that they have this Savior. And there might be some people who are like, oh, like I don't know this Jesus that you're talking about. But I've heard you talk reasonably passionately about it. Could you talk to me more about it? Like, please talk to the welcome team, to me. Anyone else that shouted out, mine? <laughs> I want to pray this morning and thank God for our salvation. Thank God for um, the scripture here and for the children who managed to spot all of those words. Okay. Dear Lord God, we thank you um, for your Bible. We thank you for the words written in it. We thank you that, um, Lord God, Romans 8 compresses it all down into such wonderful words. Lord, we thank you for your perfect plan to send Jesus. We thank you that he was perfect. He was like us, but perfect. We thank you that our sin was condemned in him, punished, blotted out, eradicated. Lord, thank you that the righteous requirement of the law is met in us because we know you. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that does not know you yet, that they will soon. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to meet together. And Lord God, as we go out here, that we would be joyful in our salvation. Thank you, Lord God. Amen.
listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.